Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening until 10 o'clock. And I'm glad you're with us tonight. And, and I, it's funny, I got an email, and, and there's some irony here. I got an email from a listener this week who said, Brad, you don't give your email address out often enough. And I thought, now, wait, if I don't give it out often enough, how are you emailing me? So a little bit of a contradiction in terms there, but I will give that out because I love to hear from listeners. My email address, beyoung, that's B-Y-O-U-N-G, at harrisdowell.com, H-A-R-R-I-S-D as in David, O-W-E-L-L.com, and uh, always respond to every listener email because that's what this show is all about. It's responding to you and it's interacting with you because X has the most intelligent audience of any radio station in America. I'm not just blowing smoke. If you listen to some of the calls that we get here every week on Camo X, they're intelligent, they're reasoned, and uh, and that's what I enjoy. That's why I'm here. I listen. I could I could work at my law firm for another two or three hours uh, without any problem. I got, I've got plenty of work right now, but I do this because interacting with you is fun, and that's what we are all about here on Camo X. Speaking, speaking of lawyering, I wanted to bring in uh, Mr. Matt Pajeski, uh, producer, board operator extraordinaire. Matt, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Brad. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, uh, but I wanted this segment to be called You Be the Attorney. Okay. And I, I brought this up because this week we see this kind of stuff on shows like Law & Order or any... Listen, any show that deals with attorneys, there's always some kind of a scene that does this. But this is real life. And let me set up the story here. Uh, This week, an Ohio woman pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge, a misdemeanor assault charge, after video evidence showed the woman was apparently not happy with her food at Chipotle. And she she was so unhappy uh, that she just threw hot food In the face of some Chipotle worker, this Chipotle worker didn't do anything wrong, just doing their job. And this lady was upset and she threw hot food in the face of this worker. So 
She appeared before the judge this week for sentencing. And again, this took place in Ohio. And the judge will give an A for creative judging. The judge in this case gave the woman two choices. So Ms. Defendant, here you go. Choice A or choice B. Choice A was 90 days of jail time. So you can go to the Gray Bar Motel and you can check in. You get three squares a day. Uh, stay away from the showers, and you only have to be there for 90 days. Or option B, kind of like uh, uh, Monty Hall, let's make a deal here. Option B is 60 days of mandatory service as a fast food worker, which I thought was incredibly creative judging on behalf of this judge. So you, Matt Pajeski, you're the attorney. What do you recommend to your client? Brad, I'm going to recommend to my clients that they take the 60 days of service in a fast food restaurant because I think that would teach my client the respect and appreciation that they would need, uh, that they, that they need for those workers. Now, after having worked 60 days at a fast food restaurant, I guarantee you that person would no longer have that sort of disrespect towards anybody making their food, um, no, working in fast food does have a, a stigma to it today. It's, we, we all complain about it when it's slow or th- they get the order wrong. But in reality, we know that job is a lot tougher than, oh, it's tough. than we give it credit for. So I think making my client do that will will correct them uh, more so than 90 days in jail. And no, nobody wants to go to jail. It's no. 90 days, obviously longer than 60 days. So it's it, working in the fast food restaurant is shorter time. You're on your feet. You're active. You're doing things. You're with people. You're not isolated. That's what I'm going to recommend to my client. Well, here I I wanted to set this up so I could critique your analysis. Oh boy. Okay, and first of all, when it comes to policy, your argument and your analysis was spot on. Okay, absolutely perfect. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, we don't need to have another person in jail. You want to make sure that your client uh, doesn't come back and do this kind of stuff again. So everything that you said, spot on, a plus analysis. However, you forgot one important angle to this story. What's that? Well, if she goes to jail for 90 days, she can't lose, she can't make any money. Okay. And at least if she's working 60 days in a fast food joint, she can pay your legal bills. There you go. That's right. Okay. So, you know, that's. I'm too altruistic, Brad. I'm not thinking about myself. Okay. (laughs) But you know what? Uh, I I got people at my law firm, you know, (laughs) I got, I got mouths to feed. I got lights to keep on. I got malpractice insurance I got to pay for, all these things. Uh, so, yeah, so you're, you're, all of your altruistic analysis was spot on, but at least under this arrangement, uh, she could at least uh, make some money and pay your legal bills. If, if this becomes a recurring segment and I start getting good at it, yeah. I'm going to start applying. I might apply to your law firm. <laughs> in a couple well, of months, I'll be really good at this, and you, you'll be amazed at what I got. Well, you know what? In California this week, a 19, was it 19? 18-year-old kid passed the bar exam in California. Oh, my gosh. And it's the youngest person in the country because in California, you don't have to go to law school to take the the bar exam. It's not required. But consequently, California has the most difficult bar exam in the country. And uh, uh, most states, like in Missouri, there's about a 90% pass rate. In California, it's in the 50s, 50 percentile. So it's tough. But this guy, uh, he graduated from high school early. He got accepted into law school. He sat for the bar exam even before he finished law school. 
He passed. Of course, I you know he's he's a genius level guy. Uh, but uh, I'm just telling you, you could you could sit for the California bar, get in with reciprocity, and you're in, baby. All right. If if this radio job doesn't turn out to be all what it's worth, then uh, I might move to California <laughs> well, and uh, give it a shot. There there you go. And as I always told my dad, my growing up, my dad was a Cubs fan, Sorry. huge Cubs fan. And I was always a Cardinals fan, so we would argue, argue, argue about baseball. We loved every minute of it. But as I always reminded him, up until uh, the day he passed away in 2007, I always reminded him, I said, Dad, Tony La Russa with the Cardinals, you know, Dad, he's a genius. You know why he's a genius? Because he graduated from law school. So we know, therefore, by definition, the man's a genius. Uh, Dusty Baker, did he ever go to law school? <laughs> no, he didn't go to law school. And of course, then that was, then there would be howls of protest from my dad. So oh, yeah, sure. I, I use that, uh, I, I use that ammunition quite effectively. Hey, speaking about effective ammunition, uh, winter is the bug season. And I wanted to, before we got into the meat of the show tonight, before we're going to talk about lots of issues like climate change, we're going to talk about red light cameras, we're going to discuss the government's investment in uh, in uh, electric vehicles. Uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of things tonight. But uh, but before we do that, I wanted to reach out to Dan Rotler because uh, I listen. I've got bugs at my house when they come in in the winter. I wanted to reach out to him, and there is no better expert on this than Dan Rotler. So after this break, we'll talk to Dan Rotler from uh, Rotler Pest Control. And we've got lots more to unpack this evening here on At Your Service. Brad Young, uh, stick around. We'll be here till 10 o'clock. Glad you're here on The Voice of St. Louis, X. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to At Your Service. And, uh, you know, despite the high temperatures that we had today, uh, winter is here. And winter is bug time. It really is. So the question is, what, if anything, can you do about it? So joining me this evening is Dan Rotler, president of Rotler Pest Solutions. Dan, welcome back to Camo X. Thank you, Brad. Glad to be here. Hey, full disclosure, and I mentioned this the last time that we chatted. I've been a customer of Rotler since my wife and I bought our first house in the 1990s. And believe it or not, Fred Rottler himself, we had a house in Florissant, and Fred Rottler himself came out, came to our house, sprayed for bugs, provided termite control. Everything was great. 
And so I've just uh, I've just been a big fan of Rottler for going on 30-some-odd years. So I just wanted to get that out there. But, Dan, when it comes to when it comes to bugs, is is winter worse than spring? So uh, it can be, um, especially inside the home, because this time of year, as the temperatures change, these pests are at their peak um, population size. They've had all spring and summer to build up, and now they're looking for that warm place to overwinter. And uh, outside really, really isn't ideal. So they find, you know, cracks and crevices around windows and doors in your home, and, and that's that's typically the places they uh, they end up, and, and that's where we get some calls and quite a few calls to be to be uh, exact. Well, are there are there certain kind of bugs that are more pesty, if I can say that, in in the winter time than in the spring or summer? Yeah, I think the ones that probably have the biggest impact and 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 get customers our customers, you know, kind of on edge tend to be like rodents. So mice will try to come in, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes wildlife, and then, you know, the occasional stink bug that um, kind of looks like a prehistoric uh, uh, pest <laughs> that you know, you'll find around your windowsill. And, yeah, it's <clears throat> a combination of those pests, um, you know, can really wreak havoc on, you know, a customer's home, and, and that's really, you know, what prompts them to call mm. the pest professional. Well, speaking of stink bugs, uh, I, I live in a wooded area, and around September, I, I noticed some stink bugs starting to appear. Of course, I called Rottler, and you guys came out and sprayed the house. But this was the kind of thing that I loved when I talked to your uh, the technician that came out to my house. He was telling me that, and I've never heard this. I've heard of stink. I've dealt with stink bugs my whole life. Never heard this till your guy told me this this September, that stink bugs like to come in through chimneys and they and they like to live and, and enter the home through the fireplace chimney. And he said a good way to, to take care of that is just to build a good roaring fire in the fireplace. But I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah sometimes the simple things are, are arguably the easiest to, uh, to really kind of eradicate them. But your chimney is, you know, if the flue's left open and that's that arguably that damper that kind of, prevents air from moving down the chimney when the fire's not lit. When they feel that warm air rising out of there and they're looking for a warm place, that's where they're heading. And if you haven't built a fire yet, um, they might find a, a crack or that flue that's open and, and work their way into your uh, living space. So, um, yeah, of course, uh, the chimney's an easy one. And then also the attic. And a lot of people aren't up in their attic. Um, but that's another popular place where they'll overwinter, and their mm-hmm. intention isn't to uh, set up shop. They're just they're just trying to find warmth um, and getting out of the elements. And you know, until you light that fire, um, uh, things uh, things will be just fine for them. Uh, they have plenty <laughs> of warm warm temperatures, and and uh, yeah, it's, it can be a little challenging, um, especially when when we have these weird days where. You know, one day it's, you know, 30 or 40 degrees, and the next day it jumps to, like, 50 to 60. Mm-hmm. So they get confused, and, and that's when we, we get calls, and, and that's when, you know, customers uh, realize they got sometimes a bigger problem than they realize. Now, most of course, we're talking to Dan Rottler, president of Rottler Pest Solutions. And, Dan, uh, one of the things that, that I didn't know until probably – 
uh, 10 years or so ago when I when I needed you. But uh, it was that you guys don't just take care of bugs, and but you also, and you mentioned this a few moments ago, you also take care of rodents and other animals. Right, yeah. <clears throat> um, mice are probably the the more common. Um, they'll, they'll either enter around um, the garage, if you have a garage, or, or some type of gap around your door, uh, and then sometimes into the basement. Um, however, um, you know, everyone's pretty familiar with what a house mouse is. Um, you know, we get a lot of calls for uh, squirrels entering, you know, the attic, and we also get raccoons that will enter up into your attic. So um, combination of those you know, three pests uh, will keep us pretty busy trying to seal up people's homes to, A, get them out of there first, and then seal up potential areas where they may have entered. What uh, What are some of the more unusual critters that your teams have found in a house? Well, you know, back to the chimney, we had an owl once um, fall down a customer's chimney, and, and we were able to uh, retrieve it uh, safely and, and and actually get it checked out by the bird sanctuary. But that was a pretty interesting one. We, we had two or three uh, managers out there trying to re- rescue this owl. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's one example. Uh, you know, um, I think the ones that we probably see more often are, are the larger populations. Um, we'll get a phone call and, and they'll be like, yeah, I think I got a mouse problem. And we get there and they don't just have a mouse problem. They have a pretty big mouse problem, so um, it, it requires <laughs> think, a little we, more work. We call those rats, don't we? <laughs> it could be. Uh, sometimes rats do enter uh, some type of homes. Uh, we don't typically get rats out in the county as often, but toward the city, toward rivers, uh, toward you know the river areas, we, we get um, uh, we get Norway rats, and those are those are real challenging because they're a little smarter than your than your mice. So. Um, it takes a little uh, more skill to control a, a rat problem. Yeah, I'd be glad you're not in uh, in New York City, Dan, because uh, after COVID, during COVID, all the rats in the in the subways got hungry because people weren't down there. And uh, I read a couple of stories where they were coming up into restaurants right after COVID, oh, yeah. and people were dealing with, like, small dog-sized rats uh, in the restaurant. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't want to have to deal with that. Uh, we're talking to Dan Rottler, president of Rottler Pest Solutions, and, and here's a question. How is it when you've got a technician that comes out to somebody's house, how is it that you determine what, what are you going to use to spray? How does that determination made? So we usually want to try to figure out what's going on first. So inspections, number one, um, and then understanding the environment that we're, we're looking to control. So um, if it's a sensitive environment, we'll, we'll try to figure out different ways to, to accommodate. Um, and, you know, examples are you got young children in the house or maybe you got some pets that are sensitive. Um, the list can be endless, but what we try to do is just figure out how they're getting in, what we're dealing with, and then what's the, the most effective way with the least amount of exposure to our customers mm-hmm. in this the situation that we're dealing with. And that's that's really, you know, how we attack it when the problem first appears. And then most of our services, you know, we're, we're looking to seal up the home or prevent, you know, from them to get in. And then we also try to keep them, you know, on the outside. So, we're, we're you know, when you say treatment, we're looking to treat the exterior a lot of times um, on an ongoing basis just so that the customer doesn't ever have to, 
you know, fight the battle inside. They'd rather fight the battle out. We'd rather sure. fight the battle for them outside. Well, it, I get, it also helps, I'm sure, that, that you're a, a St. Louis-based company, and so uh, you're obviously familiar with what bugs we have to deal with right here in the St. Louis area. Yeah, and that, you know, that all kind of goes into our training, and we spend a lot of time with our, our team making sure that, you know, they're, they're familiar with the different structures that, you know, we, we may encounter in the different environments um, that we may be exposed to. And then, you know, of course, the, the biology of the pest and figuring out, you know, what's, what's the best course of action to, to help uh, control the situation. We're, uh, we're talking to Dan Rottler, president of Rottler Pest Solutions. And, Dan, last question. I had somebody just text me and said, uh, moles have exploded in my front yard. What's up with that, and what can I do about it? You guys uh, take care of moles. Yeah, we do. We we take care of moles. Uh, they're, they're quite the uh, pesky challenge for for homeowners in the St. Louis area and pretty much throughout Missouri. Um, the best way is, is we we you know um, in so many words we we want to uh, we have to eliminate them. So. We're trapping them a lot of times, or we're using some type of uh, means to abate them. Um, elimination is is arguably the the best tool uh, in controlling moles, and then from there it's just ongoing, you know, monitoring. Because once a mole is moved in, and we control that one, another mole may move in, um, and and so forth, and that cycle continues for a period of time. And the other you know, challenging aspect is it, it always hits, you know, the well-manicured lawn. Um, somebody that either has an irrigation system or mm-hmm. has a really healthy green lawn, because uh, that soil is rich with earthworms, and that's their primary food source. And, you know, just think of a really rainy day, you see all the worms that pop up on the sidewalk. Well, to a, to a mole. That's, yeah, that's an all-you-can-eat all buffet, you can isn't eat it? Buffet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, I had, I had moles in my yard one time, Dan, and I told my wife I wanted to pump propane gas into in, into the mole runs and then light them up like the 4th of July. And she said, uh, you know, that's not a good idea. Uh, you better call Rottler. And so I did. You guys came out and set some traps and got rid of them. But I, I still wanted to blow them up like in Caddyshack. I completely understand, uh, and I think most of our technicians uh, feel the same frustration. <laughs> at times. So they're just, uh, you know, they want to do the best service they can for our customers, and and, and like any type of wildlife, uh, it doesn't always cooperate. So it's multiple trips, and and you know we're we're in it to to win. It's just uh, sometimes it doesn't always cooperate on our schedule the way we like, but uh, we don't we don't give up. We're uh, we're, we're, you know, relentless, and uh, our, our team, you know, really gets behind it and, and really embraces, you know, the real challenge of, of controlling moles. Great. Dan Rottler, president of Rottler Pest Solutions. Uh, if folks need more information on what you do and how you can help them, how can they reach you? Hey, we just said Rottler.com, or our main number is 314-426-6100. Um, and we also have a toll-free number. Um, but, yeah, any uh, any and all means, uh, I think a quick Google search can usually uh, uh, help you find Rottler, and, and there's plenty of information on the social media and um, and on our website. I'll Very good. To help and... Dan Rottler, thanks so much for joining us this evening on Camo X. Thank you, Brad.
Uh, hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back after this break, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things, including there's a push right now in the city of St. Louis uh, to return red light cameras. And it just came out again uh, this week. And St. Charles uh, is maybe evaluating it as well. Red light cameras. Is that a good idea or a bad idea from your perspective? I want to hear from you. 314-436-7900 on the voice of St. Louis. X. don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you, Mr. Matt Pajeski. Brad Young in for at your service tonight. And red, that's exactly what we're talking about. Red light cameras. What do you think? 314-436-7900. The reason why I'm bringing this story up is because uh, yesterday there was a story in the Post-Dispatch. Actually, it was a story from uh, Fox 2. I'm sorry. It was a Fox 2 story. Elliot Davis on You Paid For It. And the issue was started talking about St. Charles County and whether St. Charles County is going to adopt red light cameras. Now, let me give you a quick history lesson. I'll make it very fast. But back in 2015, I'm going to say, uh, it may have been 2016, but it's one of those two. What happened was is that uh, our own, I think I believe our own Charlie Brennan was part of this process here at KMOX. But red light cameras were consistently challenged in the courts for numerous reasons. And eventually, the Missouri Supreme Court struck them. Now, the Missouri Supreme Court did not strike red light cameras as being per se unconstitutional. But what the Missouri Supreme Court said was that the red light camera systems that were in place throughout most of Missouri, the way they operated, were unconstitutional. And this is why. If you remember, because I got some of these. I got one in Hazelwood, and I got about three downtown, and I, I didn't pay any of them because I challenged them. And my point in challenging them was on this basis, that they were unconstitutional because you were presumed guilty, that the picture was taken, you had no right to challenge it, you couldn't file something to get it in front of a judge, you couldn't plead not guilty. There was an assumption that you were guilty. That was the first problem. And because, as you know, in our system of government, there's a presumption of innocence until you're found guilty. We call that due process, and it's guaranteed by the 14th Amendment. Yes, even the 14th Amendment applies to red light cameras. <laughs> yes, it does. And so that was the first problem. The second problem with red light cameras was that not only were you presumed guilty, but you were presumed guilty if you were the owner of the vehicle, but you may not have been the one who was driving the vehicle. So, for example, I got daughters, all right? They're driving my cars. If they got a red light camera uh, ticket, it wouldn't go to them. It would come to me because I was the owner of the vehicle. So if it were a speeding ticket, the, the speeding ticket would go to the person driving the car. But in this instance, there was never any evidence about who was driving the car. If you were the listed title owner of the vehicle, you were the one who was found guilty. So number one, it violated due process. Number two, people were being convicted of crimes that they may or may not even have even committed because the alleged perpetrator 
wasn't the person being fined. It was the owner of the vehicle. So for those reasons, along with some other ancillary reasons that aren't nearly as interesting, uh, that's why the Missouri Supreme Court nixed the idea of, of red light cameras. So now we see in the city of St. Louis, you've got both uh, Alder, Board of Aldermen President Megan Green and Mayor Tashara Jones are both championing, cha- are champions of returning red light cameras to the city of St. Louis. And why do you think that is? There's, you know, they're, they're talking about, they're talking about the fact that red light cameras reduce accidents, the fact that red light cameras uh, are promote safety. But in reality, red light cameras are done for one reason and one reason only. You got it. You got it. It's done for money, folks. Does it bother you? Does it bother you that the city of St. Louis, who's right now rolling in cash, they've got the Rams settlement money, they got COVID money, they got marijuana pot tax money, they got all this money, they're swimming in cash, and and they're focused on at this point is they want to get more money out of your wallet because you turned right on a red and you didn't come to a full stop. Does that, does that bother you? It bothers me. It bothers me that the mechanism of government is being altered to forcibly extract cash from your wallet. That seems to be a problem for me. Because think about taxes. You know, I talk a lot about taxes because from a philosophical standpoint, taxes are a big deal, right? So when I work in the city of St. Louis, which I do, I pay taxes to the city of St. Louis, which I do. And that money goes for upkeep. It goes for making sure the potholes are fixed. It goes towards making sure that the police are out there and make sure that the fire department is available. That's what my taxes go for. So why should there be mechanisms set up in place to extract more money from my wallet? uh, Because for no other reason than for money. Now, they'll tell you, they'll tell you it's for safety. And honestly, there are statistics that back that up, that if there's a red light camera, there's fewer instances of running red lights. Uh, the, the rate of accidents in the intersections does go down. But do you think for one moment that the safety is the primary factor driving red light cameras? And, folks, it is, it is not. It is not. I love this quote from uh, from Board of Aldermen President Megan, uh, Megan Green. Uh, here's what she said, and I'm quoting here. There's good data behind that, meaning safety. So I do think it's paramount to get that program in place, unquote. Is it paramount to get that program in place to make our streets safer, or is it paramount to increase money? Because in every other instance, Megan Green is not for improving the safety of the citizens of the city of St. Louis. She was a strong supporter of Kim Gardner. She was, is, and continues to be a strong supporter of defunding the police. She is a strong supporter of releasing people without cash bond, of releasing people on their own recognizance who go right out and commit more crimes. So if she were interested 
in the safety of our citizens in the city of St. Louis, wouldn't she be interested in doing these other things like increase police, pay police more, stop cash bond, don't release people on their own recognizance? Wouldn't she be interested in doing all of those things to improve the safety of our citizenry? Citizenry, But she's not. She's only interested in this one thing, this one solitary activity that arguably does somewhat improve the safety of our streets. But it's also, not coincidentally, the only one of these multiple maneuvers that brings in cash into the city coffers. (laughs) How coincidental is that? So that's the reason why I bring this up, because I promise you, with every fiber of my being, uh, that the city is going to bring back red light cameras. They they are. They're going to bring those back. And it's just a matter of time. What's interesting is the reason, and yeah, Mary Lynn, uh, I love your text about uh, Ms. Green's elevator and on how many floors does it go up. Thank you very much, Mary Lynn. But uh, here's the, here here's the, right now, the reason why we don't have red light cameras in St. Louis right now. One reason, because both both Megan Green and Tashara Jones want it. But Megan Green even mentioned in her comment this week in the in, uh, to Fox 2 that she's concerned about the red light camera technology, and I'm quoting, being used and to prevent surveillance abuse, unquote. So Megan Green's concern is that the technology of having red light cameras might accidentally video people committing crimes on the streets of St. Louis. And she's against that. And that's a concern. Now I will, I share her concern about a surveillance society. And that's certainly where we're going, a surveillance society, cameras everywhere. But that's the holdup because she wants uh, guardrails put in place to prevent people from being videoed committing crimes. And that's not the problem that I have. My problem is using the technology to survey and to surveil people who are not committing crimes. But her focus is the opposite. And right now, because of this dispute between her and Mayor Tashara Jones, right now we don't have red light cameras. But listen, as with every issue that involves money, which this does, at the end of the day... The way those issues are resolved, you just pay more money, okay? And in this instance, I'm sure that there will be some deal cut where some additional funds from the red light cameras are going to go to some pet project of Megan Green's. And once that happens, bingo, we're going to have red light cameras in the city of St. Louis. So I don't know how that sits with you, but I'm telling you that is coming. We're going to take a break because we got some commercials coming. When we come back, more of the news of the day on At Your Service. Stick around. Welcome back to the Wednesday night edition of At Your Service. Brad Young back in the saddle. Glad that that you're here with us. This is what you are what makes it great. Uh, we've got a phone call coming in here, Ray from Jerseyville. Hey, Ray, welcome to KMOX. Thank you. I've uh, got a question. What, uh, the impeachment. Yes. Does that pertain only to elected officials or, non, or anyone? 
Well, an impeachment, Ray, is is a process. It's a political process, even though it's a legal process, but it's a political process where someone is simply removed from office. So, for example, a regular citizen can't be impeached because they don't hold an office, but an office holder can be impeached. Now, keep in mind, even though it is a legal proceeding, the only penalty in an impeachment hearing, whether it's the president, it could be a judge, it could be uh, a member of Congress, it could be any federal official, the only purpose of impeachment is to remove them from office. So even if someone gets impeached and convicted, then uh, the only thing that happens is that they're removed from office. Secondly, if I could, sorry to give a long-winded answer, Ray, but to answer your question, when it comes to the president, you can have someone who's impeached like Bill Clinton, like Donald Trump, but they weren't convicted. So the con- the impeachment itself is simply the House of Representatives when it comes to the presidency. It's only the House of Representatives that votes to impeach the president, but they're not found guilty or innocent until it goes to the United States Senate, and that's where the conviction occurs. There has never been a president convicted uh, in an impeachment inquiry. Andrew Johnson faced impeachment right after Abraham Lincoln was shot. He was impeached but not convicted. Bill Clinton was impeached, not convicted. Donald Trump was impeached, not convicted. So we've had three presidents impeached, but so far none have been convicted. What I was wondering about was Mayorkas. Correct. Mayorkas can be impeached. In fact, uh, there are numerous Republicans in the House that are bringing up impeachment charges against Mayorkas. If you don't know already, uh, Mayorkas is uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is the current uh, he's the current Secretary of Homeland Security, right? And uh, and he's been and a lousy one at that. And a lousy one. He was the one who famously said, "Ray, not too long ago, he said our border is secure." Uh, at yeah, the I same at the same time that millions of illegal immigrants are coming into this country, and he said that our border is secure. Well, is that is that a, is that a treasonous? Uh, type of uh, impropriety? No, I, I don't think it qualifies, Ray, as treason uh, because it's it's a failure to do a job as opposed to actively doing something to harm the United States. But it could potentially be impeachable. And if it is, again, he would have to go through a two-step process. He would have to be impeached by the House, House of Representatives, and then it would go to the Senate where the Senate would also vote on it. And if the Senate voted... To convict, he could be removed from office. If the Senate voted to acquit, then even though he would be impeached, he would not be removed from office. Does that answer your question? It does. I, Very I appreciate good. it. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, Ray. Thanks, appreciate Ray. that. Uh-huh. And the other impeachment that's been in the news this week is that, in fact, today, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to continue on with the impeachment inquiry of President Biden. Now, keep in mind, this is not the same as the impeachment of President Biden. It's the continuation of the inquiry. Why is that important? Because under uh, under uh, the law of Congress, Congress has to have an ongoing investigation in order to issue subpoenas. And so this inquiry uh, that uh, just got voted to be extended today That inquiry allows the House of Representatives to issue subpoenas. Why is that important? 
Well, again, today's news gave us the, the greatest example of why this is required. Before I go through all that, let me first tell you where my biases lie. I have not seen any evidence that would warrant the impeachment of President Biden and his removal from office. I've not seen it. Uh, just like I didn't see it with President Trump, right? And I argued against it two times in a row. Um, I argued in favor in favor of the impeachment of Bill Clinton because he lied under oath, which under under both state and federal law is a misdemeanor. Uh, when he was deposed, he lied in his deposition, and he admitted that he lied in his deposition. That's the commission of a crime. And in the Constitution, it specifically states that impeachment can occur based upon what's called, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors, unquote. So President, uh, President Clinton actually committed a misdemeanor. There was no question about his commission of that crime. In fact, he lost his law license in Arkansas because of it. So that impeachment was fine. I did not support the impeachment of President Trump. And based upon what we know right now, I would not support the impeachment of President Biden. Having said that, am I in favor of a continuation of the inquiry? Yes, I am. And let me tell you why. There is a lot of anecdotal evidence out there that, uh, and we've seen Hunter Biden, he's, he's, got, he's got a lot of troubles these days. And there's, uh, there is more than simply anecdotal evidence that President Biden may have received money from Hunter Biden's various business activities that were questionable legality. So if that's the case, President Biden could have committed a crime by participating in a criminal enterprise. Do we have evidence of that right now? No, we don't. But that's the point of the inquiry, is to look to see if there's evidence of that. And today, Hunter Biden himself gave the best rationale for continuing with this, this impeachment inquiry because he was given a subpoena. Hunter Biden was given a subpoena to testify uh, in a closed-door session in order to talk about confidential, sensitive matters, and Hunter Biden refused to appear. He's refusing to comply with the subpoena. And so in the absence of having con congressional subpoena power, which an inquiry was required to have that, then you, basically the House would be powerless to investigate what might be an impeachable offense. We don't know. That's what the inquiry's for. So... He gave the best rationale for continuing on with this presidential impeachment inquiry because he's refusing to cooperate with Congress. Now, here's another issue that we're going to face, and I can, I can nail this in the next 20 seconds before we have to go to a hard break, and that's this. If Hunter Biden continues to refuse to appear per the subpoena, what happens? Well, it goes to the U.S. Department of Justice for a recommendation of prosecution. And if that happens which is that U.S. Department of Justice is under President Biden, isn't that a conflict of interest? And if so, do we have to have a special prosecutor? These are all issues that we're going to be dealing with over the next several weeks about whether a special counsel is or is not required. That's why you need to stick right here on Camo X. I haven't heard that angle discussed anywhere else but on 1120 Camo X. We're going to take a break at the top of the hour. We'll be back right after the top of the hour with more uh, at your service, more calls, more texts. Calls and texts, love them. 314-436-7900 on Camo X. Don't go away. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.